ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. It is Monday, July 19th. The Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Always. I mean always, you can be a part of the program by calling the White Wall phone line at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. White Wall Hard Seltzer, it is made pure. We got a lot to get into today. TBT firing back up tonight for her, that, and Best Virginia. Bleed Virginia getting knocked out over the weekend. So really the, the two major teams that are left in this thing for at least – People around here, people who uh, follow teams, heard that best Virginia. And if both teams can win, that's going to set up a really interesting matchup on Wednesday. Charleston Civic Center should have a great crowd once again for that matchup if the both teams can get through. We're going to find out tonight. That's all coming up tonight. We'll get into that later, but heard that getting the victory over Team DRC on Saturday. So we'll break all of that down. Also, the Conference USA standings, the predicted order of finish coming out today. We're going to get into all of that. The good news is, if you're a Thundering Herd fan, there's good news. And UAB is on the other side. So we'll get into that. We're going to break that down also. Uh, it is watch season. That's right. All the watch lists will be coming out. All the honors that go along with those watch lists. All of that's coming out starting today. And we've got the Maxwell Award watch list to talk about. Grant Wells is going to be on that, and we'll talk about the Conference USA list as well. So there are a lot of things to get into as far as Marshall football is concerned. We've got the TBT. Baseball action coming up tonight right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're going to check in with the Pirates tonight at 915. We'll get you set for that matchup later on in the hour as well. And, of course, as we start progressing through the week, SEC Media Day is kicking off today. Now, I just want to add as an aside, Conference USA not having a traditional media day. It's going to be more like a Zoom call. So a lot of these conferences are getting back to in-person or mixed between in-person and, of course, some sort of video conferencing presence. SEC kicking off today. Commissioner Greg Sankey announcing that six of the league's 14 football teams have reached 80% vaccinations. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this today was because he said the message to schools, you're expected to play as scheduled. Well, what does that mean? Of course you're scheduled to play. That's what the point of the schedule is. You're scheduled to play. That's your, that's your opponent. But he added, he said, that means your team needs to be healthy to compete, and if not, the game won't be rescheduled. And thus, to dispose of the game, the forfeit word comes up at this point. So if you're not fit to play, you could suffer a forfeit. Now, if you're vaccinated, if you reach 85%, it looks like if you reach 85%, that's going to be the number. That's going to be the, the sweet spot here. If you get to a certain number, you're not going to have to go through the regimented process that these guys went through last year and all the other student athletes 
went through the multiple tests a week, the wearing of the masks, the self-quarantining, the isolation. None of that is going to have to be taken into account if you reach a certain level of vaccination. And so what's going to happen is you're still going to have student-athletes that are probably going to have to go through some sort of regiment. It's going to be completely different at each and every school and the NCAA, I'm sure. There's going to be a different procedure, different regiment for everyone. However, what the SEC is implying here is that, look, we're going to try to get these numbers up to a certain level to satisfy us. But if you can't get your numbers up, that's fine. We understand that. But you're responsible for the health and well-being of your team. If your team's not healthy enough to come out and play, there's not going to be a, a reschedule. There's not going to be a change of date. There's not going to be any of that. It's just, do you have a team? Can it play? If you don't have a team that can play, you're going to forfeit. We'll move on to the next week. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of coaches that are going to have conversations with their athletes their kids and, and say, look, you know, we're not forcing you to do this, but this is what we've got in store for you. If we can't get you vaccinated, you're going to have to do this. And if we have a situation where we have an outbreak and we don't have enough players to field the team, you know, we might have to forfeit a game. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic, to say the least. Nobody's forcing these student-athletes to do this. I don't believe so, anyway. And I hope not. I hope they're not forcing anyone to take the vaccine. If they don't want to take it, that's, I mean, that's a personal choice, and I do respect that. I might not agree with that choice, but at the same time, I do respect the choice. However, as we've talked about before, we're going to see more and more there's going to be sort of that middle ground like, okay, if you don't want to do this, this is where you have to go and what you have to do to get on the field. And if you do this, this is what your journey to the field is going to look like. So I think we're going to see more and more of these numbers come out as schools are trying to get their vaccination rates up to a point where this isn't going to be an issue. How would you like to be a school that has a team that comes down and you don't have enough teams? I mean, you don't have enough players to to make the field. So instead of just trying to reschedule that, no, no, it's like, okay, you're going to get hit with the forfeit. You're done. You knew, you, you understood, and here it is. So that's what's coming out, at least SEC Media Days today. So that's a big one. And, of course, Media Days will be continuing throughout the week. As I mentioned, Conference USA is going to do a teleconference sort of uh, event for media Wednesday and Thursday. East Division is going to be Wednesday. West Division is going to be Thursday. We'll have some of the highlights from the East Division, at least from Marshall, on Wednesday. So we'll have that for you give you a chance to hear what I'm sure Coach Huff, I'm not sure the players that are going to be involved just yet, but I'm sure it will be at least Coach Huff and a couple of players from Marshall. So what are we going to get into when we come back from break? We're going to talk, of course, about Marshall Conference USA East Division. We'll get you that rundown. Also, we'll talk about some of the recognition that Marshall athletes are receiving today. We'll start with Grant Wells among leaders on that board. Later on, we'll talk about the basketball tournament that's happening tonight in Charleston. Heard that in action, taking on Team 23. And Team 23, they've already put it out there. They put the bulletin board material out. Basically, they have indicated that they've had some conversations with some other 
team owners, general managers have basically said, look, you got one job. Your job is to eliminate her that. You got to get them out. So it seems to me that this is a wrestling type maneuver, professional wrestling type maneuver. Got a heel turn here, maybe. I mean, you're putting it out there. You're cutting a promo. I mean, seriously, you're cutting a promo just about. Trying to get some interest in this thing. So, heard that, Team 23? Yeah, it's going to be interesting tonight. You can fire up, heard that. Don't make Ott Elmore mad is, is the advice I can give you right now. Do not make Ott Elmore angry. He will choose violence every time on the basketball court. But we'll start with Marshall football when we continue. We'll run down the East and West Division, the predicted order of finish. This is according to a panel of the league's media members. We'll talk about that when we come back from break here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Today's the day we're getting the uh, start of watch lists. Everybody's making a list, preseason list. This is really when it starts to count. You got the publications, of course. You got Athlon, you got Lindy, you got Phil Steele. You got all of those publications, and those are great. But here's where we start to kind of get a feel for what the coaches are thinking, what members of the media are thinking. I did not have a vote in this, so do not blame me if you do not like the order. I am not responsible for this list, but the East Division and West Division order of finish, it's out. Marshall, among the favorites to win Conference USA. In the East Division, Marshall receiving 17 first-place votes. And if you look at where Marshall stacks up compared to the rest of the East Division— you'll see that FAU got six votes and Western Kentucky got one first place vote. So here's what it looks like. From bottom to top, it's Old Dominion at seven. Then FIU is six. Middle Tennessee is fifth. Charlotte comes in at four. And then Western Kentucky, as I mentioned, with one first place vote, comes in at three. FAU with two I'm sorry, FAU at two with six votes. And then Marshall coming in with 17 votes. 17 votes. They are the odds-on favorite to win the East Division. Now, UAB, they're the team to pick. That's right. They're the team to pick because they, of course, are your reigning, defending Conference USA champion. And they own the West Division right now. It was UAB with 15 first-place votes, and then UTSA comes in second with nine, and then Louisiana Tech at third, Southern Miss at four, Rice coming in at five, North Texas at six, and then UTEP coming in at seven. I'm kind of curious. How does that compare to a couple of things we were looking at? You know, we looked at the college football news rankings the other day, and those were important because this is sort of an idea of where some of these teams were nationally, and this is outside of the Conference USA media. This is what the Conference USA media says. But West Division champ UAB, East Division champ Marshall, UAB in the college football news rankings, uh, 82nd, Marshall 92 in the college football news rankings. And then Western Kentucky is rated a little higher 
than FAU. FAU is rated 101 by College Football News, and in Western Kentucky, 94. So not that much of a difference there as far as the rankings are concerned, but at least in the mind of the members of the media that did vote, and this is a select panel, not everybody gets to vote, Marshall, FAU, Western Kentucky, order of finish, 1-2-3 in the East Division. And the West Division, of course, uh, they probably got it right. UAB regarded as the best team in Conference USA right now with UTSA coming in nationally number 95, at least by the College Football News ranking. So UTSA, pretty much a solid pick. Again, UTSA is higher regarded, at least in some polls, than FAU. And we also talked about the hot seat rankings. Remember those last week? Where some of these teams and where their coaches land on the hot seat rankings? Well, if you remember, some of these teams, they're inching up there. Others are doing okay. UTEP, UTEP bottom of West Division. UTEP's coach, Dana Dimmel, dropping a little bit in the hot seat rankings from five to four. That's a good sign, but still. UTEP's got a lot of work to do, and that team comes in at number seven in the West Division. The other team that we were kind of really looking at as far as there could be some potential here for maybe a coach change in the future, Butch Davis, jumping from one to three. Now, according to CBS, the rankings are one, safe and secure, three is pressure is mounting. So FIU, six. Out of seven teams in the East Division, so FIU, Butch Davis, got to make some moves soon. Middle Tennessee is even higher regarded. Charlotte's regarded higher. And Charlotte's in a situation where you've got a situation where your coach is doing all right, got some room to grow here, but Charlotte could start making some noise. I'm okay with this order of finish. I'm okay with this. You know, I might have leaned towards Western a little bit more over Florida Atlantic. I might have done that. I might have put Old Dominion over FIU maybe. Again, this is the predicted order of finish according to the members of the media selected for the panel to vote. West Division, I think I'm okay with that. North Texas, I might have had them above Rice, maybe. UTEP is right where I think they should be. Southern Miss, maybe they're four. I'm okay with that. UAB, solid at one. UTSA, I'm solid there at two. Louisiana Tech, I think I'm solid at three. So I'm okay with the West Division in that order of finish. UAB, UTSA, and Louisiana Tech. Now, the other thing Conference USA is doing... Conference USA putting together its watch list. Now, this is a little different. First of all, Grant Wells, redshirt freshman quarterback from Charleston, named to the Maxwell Award watch list. It is given annually to college football's most outstanding player. Made the list last year, so he's back on the list. They liked what they saw last year, decided to give him another go on the list. So, he, if he has a, if he has anywhere near the year he did and can finish out, he's going to stay on the list a little longer. 
threw for 18 touchdowns. That was fourth nationally among freshmen. And so here he is back on the list, probably going to garner a little bit more attention. Yardage, he had over 2,000, 2,091. That was fifth nationally among freshmen. So, again, he has, uh, he has claimed to be there. And then Conference USA releasing its own watch list. And what Conference USA doing, releasing a list for every team. These are the players to look at, to watch, to keep an eye on. So every team got five players. Obviously, Grant Wells is going to be one of those players you're going to have to keep an eye out for. And then making the list, at least Conference USA's five to watch, Alex Millette. So on the offensive line, you got Alex Millette representing. And then Jamari Edwards representing the defensive line. Then Stephen Gilmore's representing, of course, outstanding defensive back for the Thundering Herd. And you got Talit Keaton. You get him out there. Watch out. Don't kick the ball to him. That's a bad mistake. So, yeah, that's good. Get the word out on him. If you're a Conference USA team, that's a mistake. You don't want to kick the ball to, to leak. If, if you do that, you might pay for that. So that's a good idea. Get the word out earlier. So the good news here is I think the league nailed it. You only have five. This is a solid five. These are all conference selections a year ago. Also, you have a freshman of the year honoree in Grant. So, Grant Wells, freshman of the year. You gotta, you gotta account for him at all times. And I think you're gonna see some progress because Millett and Edwards were second team. Gilmore and Keaton were first team. I think Millett's probably coming up the list. I think Edwards is coming up the list as well. As far as I'm concerned, Alex Millett's a first-teamer. And if that doesn't get solidified this year, we get a problem with Conference USA. I, I have issue on how these things are selected if that is not the case. Now, of course, he's going to have a lot of say in his performance on the field. So he's going to have his opportunity to prove everyone that he's a first-teamer. But as far as I'm concerned, he's a first-teamer. Second team is good. He's a first-teamer in my mind. And I really think that you look at this list, I'm probably going to say, I mean, yeah, there could be a little bit bias on my part. Seriously, there could be some bias here on my part. But I think Jamari Edwards, first-teamer as well. I mean, they're second-teamers last year. Maybe they move up. I think they do. But Molette's definite putting a rubber stamp on this. He's a first-teamer all the way. I believe his play on the field will justify my faith in him. So that's where we stand with the Hey, again, listen to me. I don't lie to you. I tell you things, and you, you need to write them down because they usually come true. I got a pretty good track record. What did I tell you about the Bucks? I said Bucks in six. Phoenix jumps out to a 2 nothing lead in this series. I keep telling you. Bucks and six, it's going to happen. And where are we at? Here we are. Game six. Bucks win. Bucks win the NBA championship. I told you, Bucks and six. Listen to me. That's it. That's, that's the message. That's my TED Talk. Listen to me. When we continue, we're going to talk about the TBT 
Uh, I'm not going to have that, that bold of a prediction there. But TBT coming up tonight in Charleston. We'll break it down for you when we continue here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on the drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The basketball tournament firing back up tonight for the local teams. Heard that and Best Virginia still in action. Heard that taking on Team 23. It's going to be on ESPN 2 tonight at 7 o'clock. Best Virginia taking on D2. That's the team that beat Bleed Virginia. So they're looking to knock off another Virginia team. That's happening tonight at 9 o'clock. So what happened? How'd the herd get here? Well, Ja'Cory Williams, 23 points, 10 for 17 shooting. And he was the lead man. He gave her that the victory over Team DRC. Beat him 85-76. John Elmore had 21 points as well. Had a nine-point lead after the first quarter. And you thought, okay, heard that's off to the races. Just going to throttle this team. And they had to do what, well, they have done themselves. They had to fend off the comeback. Heard that has done the comeback before. So they had to fend off some comeback attempts. I look for a better, solid performance tonight from them. I don't think that they're going to have – I felt like they could have put that team away sooner and Team DRC just wouldn't go away. Tonight, they're getting a tougher test, though, with Team 23. This is a team that has been a mainstay in the TBT. They got former NBA players on this squad – Walt Lemons Jr.'s on this team. Marcus Hall's on this team. Marcus Hall was around during the 2016 title game. So the team has been around for a while. So Team 23 should be a tough challenge tonight. Heard that should have the crowd in its favor. And then at 9 o'clock, Best Virginia. And the crowd should be in its favor as well. And of course, Let's be honest, it's going to be a weird dynamic here. You're going to have a lot of people rooting for both teams. And that's a good thing. I've actually enjoyed that, seeing a little bit of let's just root for the West Virginia teams right now. And some of you maybe aren't down with that. I get that. I saw you Twitter the other day. I saw Luke Creasy, the poor, poor maligned sports reporter for the Harold Dispatch, who was there just to enjoy the game, wearing his his green, Kelly Green shirt and his his WVU hat because he married into a WVU house-divided situation. So trying to keep the family situation going here. He he was spotted on social wearing the green and the blue. And I'm I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that. Keep your wife happy. But some of you may be not down with Best Virginia. I say let's see this, uh let's see this through. Let's get to that championship, bracket championship at least, between her, that, and Best Virginia. But uh, Best Virginia should win against D2. Kevin Jones in the previous game had 18 points, 13 rebounds, one over Woco Showtime. Sean Willette had 18 points. Todd Withers, 16 points, 9 rebounds. D2's leaders, beating Bleed Virginia. I really thought Bleed Virginia was going to be a a team to deal with. So Best Virginia versus D2. Heard that 
versus Team 23. So far, it's been pretty much chalk, it feels like. So we'll get that best Virginia herd, that matchup, on Wednesday, potentially. TBT's been fun so far, don't you think? I think it's been enjoyable so far. It's been fun. Good crowds at the Charleston Coliseum. Got a lot of buzz. And, of course, once again, Odd Elmore, the social media darling of the TBT, comes out and does Odd Elmore things. I mean, that's the fun of this thing. I mean, outside of the fact they're playing for a million dollars, and if that doesn't get you fired up, nothing will. If you're these guys, you're playing for your share of a million dollars. I'm not saying that's going to set you for life, but that's going to transform your life in a in a good way if you can get a piece of that. That's going to have a, a quality of life bump for you. So, yeah, these guys are really into it right now. And TBT probably coming back to Charleston more often than not because, again, you've been getting good crowds, the tickets, that matters. You want to have good crowds show up. You don't want to play in an empty arena. You don't want to play an empty coliseum, empty gym. You don't want that. You don't. And so I think if Charleston continues to put on a good show and Hurt fans show up and West Virginia fans show up, I think you're going to see a return to the coliseum for the TBT. And it makes sense also. It makes sense because everybody can get to Charleston. Best Virginia fans can get to Charleston. Heard that fans can get to Charleston. Bleed Virginia fans can get to Charleston. It's a pretty good place, I think, for this TBT. I'd love to see it in Huntington. Not going to happen, but I'd love to see it in Huntington. Potentially, I don't know. I don't think the Mountain Health Arena could hold this thing. I don't know. Not the way the Coliseum probably set up for it right now. Coliseum's a great place for basketball. But that's your TBT update, the basketball tournament taking place coming up tonight. And then on Wednesday, it could be heard that versus best Virginia in the bracket championship. We'll get your phone calls in, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. we got baseball action coming up tonight. Pittsburgh taking on Arizona. We'll get into that with you when we continue here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Pirates baseball coming up tonight. Pittsburgh's on the road taking on Arizona. Going to be a late one for you. 9-15 tonight right here on ESPN. 94.1 and AM 930. If the Pirates are going to start digging themselves anywhere close to the top, out of the hole, close to the top, it's got to begin with Arizona. Pittsburgh right now sitting at 36-57. and 57. Fifth in the NL Central. The Diamondbacks come in. 27 and 68. They are fifth in the West. I mean, if you're going to get healthy, the Diamondbacks look like a good team to get healthy against. Uh, Chase DeLong on the mound for the Pirates tonight. Chase is 1 and 3 with a 5.59 ERA. Diamondbacks are going to send out Caleb Smith. Smith is 2 and 6, 4.54 ERA. Uh, the bottom line here is the Diamondbacks are not good. They're 16 and 30 in home games. They are not good. They are not good. The Pirates are 
it's going to be push. I'm just going to say right now, it's going to be push. The Pirates are about 500 on the road. Uh, the Pirates, unfortunately, have not been able to get a good run. The Mets were a nice team to get healthy on a little bit, but still, at the end of the day, we're talking about the Mets here and the Pirates possibly if trying to at least make a good effort here and keep you interested. Uh, Got to win some games against Arizona. That's coming up tonight. That'll be 9.15 p.m. right here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 9.30. As we mentioned earlier today, the Conference USA predicted order of finish is out from the league, and in the West Division, UAB is tabbed to be the top team once again, garnering 15 of those first-place votes. UTSA is picked second at nine, and then it's going to be Louisiana Tech at third, Southern Miss coming in at fourth, Rice fifth, North Texas six, and UTEP seven. And then on the east side, Marshall, the favorite, 17 votes, getting 17. First team in the East Division, predicted to win the East. Florida Atlantic coming in second with six first-place votes. I'm not sure if I would have done that. I think I would have taken Western Kentucky over FAU, but FAU's got a pretty good argument for why they are the team maybe to challenge Marshall. They get six first-place votes. Western Kentucky gets one. They are third, and then that's followed by Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, FIU, and then Old Dominion, the team that's got to make some ground up quickly is Old Dominion, a team I think that's got to seriously make a run for the championship or you might have a coach in the hot seat, is FIU. I think middle Charlotte, we'll see some progress there, but East Division is probably Marshall's to lose. Seriously, I think it's Marshall's to lose. Marshall's got almost everybody back. New coach, new energy, close the gap. I think Marshall is in the best spot right now. You look at the division, I'd rather be playing on the east side than the west side because UAB's on the west. UTSA's good. I think Louisiana Tech's good. I kind of think Rice is good. We all know how good Rice is. We know what they can do. On the east side... I think Marshall might have a little trouble with Western and FAU. But if Marshall does what it's supposed to do, I think there's going to be no problem here with Old Dominion, FIU, Middle, or Charlotte. That's just my take here. Uh, Also, uh, coming out of Conference U.S. today, today, this is a different story. This one maybe is more a testament to the individual than anything. Conference USA announced today it's 2021 Hall of Fame class. And only one person is going to be inducted. And that's Russ Anderson. He was the former league communications administrator. Part of Conference USA for more than 25 years. Right there at the beginning. And he passed away with sudden in April. Now, A lot of people maybe think the reason why you're not having an in-person media event was because part of the reason why is Russ would have been the guy putting it all together. And that could be part of it. But he was basically the guy that got stuff done 
on so many levels in Conference USA, putting things together, managing media. He was the go-to guy. And so he's going to be put into the Conference USA Hall of Fame. He's the only member of the 2021 class. He was probably going to be the guy that turned the lights out of Conference USA. And so since he's been there since 1995, he is going to have the distinction and honor of being the lone recipient of induction in the Conference USA Hall of Fame. And here's kind of just um, just to kind of give you an idea about what he was about. And again, it wasn't about what he did on the field. He wasn't that type of person for Conference USA. It's more media. It's more for people like me. But he was there in the formation of this league. So he was your communications and media guy since the formation of this league. And he was there. loved baseball. Baseball was his sport, football and baseball. So had a great love for baseball, and he was your primary guy for that. But he was also the guy to help make my job a lot better as far as league championships were concerned, you know, the day-to-day, the operations for covering those events and for other things as well, you know, the tournament, it, the star. He was the point guy. Also, he was someone who helped advance the cause of Conference USA the best he could. He was on a lot of NCAA postseason, region, national, and championship events. Uh, he was involved with college football playoff championship games and bowl games. So yeah, Conference USA had someone who was there and being a part of that. So now the Conference USA Baseball Championship MVP is going to be named in his honor. Uh, he was someone who was actively involved with the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association since 1996, and he was even recently Associate Executive Director of the organization. And he was someone who pushed baseball as well, because Conference USA is a baseball league in so many regards. The baseball is one of the signature sports in this league. Soccer is now becoming that signature sport as well, and a few other sports, but baseball... When you think of Conference USA, where does Conference USA excel? Baseball, soccer, and you can say maybe softball and a couple others, but definitely you think baseball, Conference USA baseball, really good. It's it's quality. And the same thing with a few other sports. And Russ was there for a lot of the baseball stuff. So I just wanted to make note of that today because I thought that was a nice gesture from Conference USA to honor Russ. Most of you probably don't even know who Russ was. You had zero reason to know who he was or or what he was about because he was doing things behind the scenes to help people like me. It's not like with Marshall. You kind of know the players. Being a little bit closer to the program, you know the players a little bit more. And I'm talking about the media guys. You know the players in that realm a little bit more because, well, they're your guys. But... To make their jobs easier and to make our jobs easier, you know, a guy like Russ Anderson was always there making sure that we had everything we possibly could get. So I just want to point that out again. It's it's something that 
in the grand scheme of things and what you might be familiar with, you know, it didn't touch your life. But it kind of did in so many ways. So a nice gesture today by Conference USA to honor Russ Anderson. And, um, you know, a lot of us um, who work in media will uh, definitely miss the guy. I mean, he was there from 1995 onward. He was there, uh, part of the birthing of Conference USA. All right, uh, tomorrow, hopefully, we're going to be talking about her, that's victory, and the TBT. They're going to try to get this done tonight at 7, taking on Team 23. And then Best Virginia in action following that. Best Virginia trying to take out D2. And if that's the case, we're going to have a championship, well, at least a bracket championship set up between Heard That and Best Virginia. The two teams get along. They'll be super competitive with each other, but the teams get along. Won't be any animosity. It's just going to be good, hard, fun basketball. I think that's all what we want right now. Good, hard, fun basketball. But TBT coming up tonight, 7 o'clock for Heard That. What new thing will Ott Elmore bring to us? What new offering will he give to us for our enjoyment? He's like Russell Crowe in Gladiator. He's going to be out there. Okay, granted, he doesn't have Russell Crowe's 2000 Gladiator body, but he's going to be out there yelling, are you not entertained? That's just my image of Ott right now, just yelling, are you not entertained? Because the TBT loves him. Apparently, social media loves him. The legend continues to grow. And he's just going to go out there tonight and do something. He's going to do something Ott Elmore-ish. And we're all going to watch as his his legacy continues. And, by the way, we're also going to probably watch John Elmore make a solid case for why somebody needs to give him a look. In the NBA, somebody needs to give him a look. And he's trying to make a point out there because he's one of the best players on the court right now. And thankfully for the Thundering Herd, or at least the alumni team, I'm sorry, heard that. I'm like all the other announcers. You know, we get them mixed up. Uh, Ja'Cory Williams is on the squad as well. He's doing good things for her and that. And with that said, that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. Back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. We'll get you really going into the week. I'm hoping we're talking about a herd that victory against Team 23. If we're not, uh, it's going to be a sad show tomorrow. That's all I can say. Enjoy the rest of your evening, everyone. And let's, uh, let's root on herd that, and we'll be back here tomorrow.